This week, Earwolf is transforming into something scary. Fearwolf is coming to haunt your precious ears with spooky episodes and hair-raising special guests on all your favorite shows. Well, not query, because I'm too scared of everything. But on Unspooled, Paul Shear and Amy Nicholson break down one of the most influential horror films of all time, Psycho. You can hear an interview with horror master and director of Fright Night, Tom Holland, on Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast on Who Charted, or could it be called Boo Charted, Howard Kremer and guest Tiff Stevenson count down the top Halloween songs and movies. We've got additional Halloween episodes on Off Book, the Andy Daily Podcast Pilot Project, Womp It Up, and Hello from the Magic Tavern. Head on over to Stitcher Premium to get some couples costumes, tips from Sean and Hayes on Hollywood Handbook Pro version. Don't miss your favorite Fearwolf shows this week on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart, and as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback, and I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros. Today we have a special episode. It is a two-parter, half an hour each, with um, Ariel and Casey, who both work on Yes on Three, a ballot measure that is on the ballot November 6th. You can vote, or early voting is available right now um, in Massachusetts. It is to protect our trans family members who live in Massachusetts. I was there recently in Boston. I had some folks from Yes on Three at my show, and I knew I needed to continue this conversation on the podcast. So please enjoy this conversation. And remember, wherever you live, please vote on November 6th. Please vote. Please vote. Please vote. Enjoy the episode. Well, on this show, I always have folks introduce themselves. So would you introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Hi, I'm Ariel Sussman. I am uh, the communications specialist on the Yes on Three campaign. So we're the campaign I'm trying to uphold transgender protections in Massachusetts this November on the ballot. So this is really... Well, first of all, I was just in Boston. Um, I did a show at the Wilbur Theater and. One thing I did this tour was I had folks from local organizations come through and talk about the work that they do with the organization. Um, but in Boston, it felt like the most important thing would be um, Yes on Three, which is uh, what's the actual website? Is uh, it's a Freedom Massachusetts. Freedom Massachusetts. So is that the actual organization that's behind Yes on Three, or like? Yeah, so Freedom for All Massachusetts is um, a subsection of Freedom for All Americans. And yeah, so we are the main organization behind the Yes on Three campaign. So there's a couple there's a couple things I wanted to ask about here. Um, first of all, before we get into anything else, can you tell me a little bit about what Yes on Three actually is? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So um, two years ago, um, so the Massachusetts legislature passed. So with a bipartisan supermajority vote, everybody was very on board with this. Um, the historic non-discrimination protections for transgender people in public places. So, you know, this means that people can go to um, restaurants, shops, medical offices, and know that they won't be discriminated against. And if they are, they have legal protections. Um, 
So uh, our governor, Charlie Baker, he signed the law, uh, the bill into law in July 2016. And shortly after it went into effect um, in, I believe, October 2016, um, a small group of opponents uh, gathered the minimum number of signatures. So it's less than 1% of the Massachusetts population um, required to place the law on the ballot um, for repeal in November of 2018. So this election cycle. So we've known that this was going to be on the ballot for two years before the 2016 election even happened. Um, so yeah, so our work is mainly just um, trying to educate the public about what the campaign is. A lot of people still don't know that this is a ballot question. You know, even a few months ago, I didn't really know much about it. Um, it's It's something that, you know, I think Everybody, especially, you know, I grew up in Massachusetts. I think that most people are um, for, you know, protecting, you know, the LGBT community, especially, you know, protecting trans um, or trans folks and neighbors. Um, But I think it's just a lot of uh, miscommunication and people just not really understanding. So that's pretty much what we're trying to do is help the general public understand exactly what the context of the ballot question is and, you know, kind of just bring some um, trans voices uh, onto the onto the main stage because a lot of people have never met a transgender person. So we're trying to, you know, put some faces um, to these protections. So the actual initiative, the actual thing that is on the ballot, the thing that you would be saying yes on um, is like essentially, yes, I want to keep this law on the books. And the no is, no, I don't want this law. I want this repealed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I would imagine, first of all, whenever there's like a yes, no issue, like part of the education is just like trying to figure out which, because sometimes the affirmative thing is negative. Sometimes the negative thing is affirmative. Like it's like part of the education is just on getting people, well, first of all, like you said, getting people aware that the issue's on the ballot. And then also like, okay, well, which way if i say yes does that what does that mean versus no like that's a big part of education on um ballot initiatives like this and and uh, especially since like sometimes wording can be long or complicated or or what is it do, do you know what it actually is on the ballot i think the time? Yeah, the wording? i think the actual question is do you approve of the following um law and so then it it reads the law and it says do you approve of this law and that's the yes that's actually that's rad i'm glad that's the because yeah like when prop 8 was up in california that was a big part of um why marriage equality went away here was because there's like super confusing worded question um and then i mean obviously also discrimination but but on top of that doesn't help when things are so that's good to hear um and how did you get involved specifically w- with working on this? This is campaign the right word? What's the right word? Campaign? Yeah, yeah, what it's is a it? campaign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I actually just graduated from college. I um, hey, congrats! Thank you. Yeah, so I just graduated from UConn, the University of Connecticut. Uh, so I was a great, great women's basketball team. It's a fantastic women's <laughs> basketball team. That is our fancy thing for sure. Okay, continue. Yeah, um, so I was a journalism and communication student. 
And so I've always been very interested in, you know, writing and just kind of using my voice to, um, you know, tell, uh, tell a story, um, convey messages. And so when I was looking for jobs and I've always been politically active, um, you know, especially in the past two years, you know, cause I, I came from Massachusetts and I went to school in Connecticut. So I think that, um, the 2016 election woke me, me and a lot of, um, my peers up to kind of, uh, more about what was going on in the rest of the country. And, um, so I've, um, I became kind of more politically active from that. And I knew that I wanted to be a part of something that I've always wanted to be a part of something that's bigger than me, you know, something that I really care about. And so when I was looking for jobs, I was looking for jobs on campaigns kind of, but not, you know, I was really just looking for, um, something that I could lend my voice to. And I found this job. It was on indeed, which is, you know, yeah, right. Find a job. Um, and yeah, so I, I kind of just, I saw the job and I knew that it was something that I would love to be a part of because it's something that I'm really um, passionate about is, you know, human rights and civil rights. And something that I always really wanted to do was just uh, use my voice for good. And that's pretty much how I got on the campaign. And it's been fantastic. So I- Oh, yeah. Well, I have so many follow ups. Um, And uh, well, first, I just want to say, because, um, you know, you use like friends and neighbors earlier. And and I want to just call out that you did a very cool thing when when I when we were trying to email back and forth with Yes on Three to like see who could be on a call with us and explain the campaign. Um, Because tell me your actual title. Is it communications director? What is Uh, it? Communication specialist. Yep. Communication specialist. So, um, you know, you're the right person all right person to speak for the campaign, but you also clarified that you are an ally, that you are cisgendered person, um, and and you do not identify as queer. Um, and I think that's, so number one, I thought that was like, I thought that was great that you just said that straight up, you know, because I think sometimes people don't know, um, like, oh, well then, will this will remove me from the conversation, especially if you're working in this field. So I thought that was a great way of doing it. And then I also thought we haven't had any um, allies on query because I I haven't found there to be a need you know like there hasn't been a moment yet where I've been like I really feel like that's an interesting person to hear from on this um, but with this thing um, because it's a political issue that and I mean I said to you before we started recording I'm an ally in this space too I, I identify as cisgender I'm not a trans person I consider everybody in the LGBT community to be family like they are family so it's um, for me it feels like a familial issue but it's not specifically me on that ballot. Um, And I think that it's really important to sort of talk about some ways in which you can personalize fights that are not your own in this moment for anybody um, that might be listening who, you know, feels as passionately as you you and I do about protecting our trans family members, but that isn't trans ourselves. So, like, um, I think that it is valuable to hear from uh do you identify as straight um yeah yeah so it's valuable to identify to to talk to a straight person and be like why um why would you care about this and i mean like truly i guess i would just say as a queer person to a straight person like 
I mean, why would you care about the LGBT community? I would be so curious to just hear like any answer you have. And it doesn't have to be the perfect answer, but like there are so many people who don't. So why? what moves the dial for you? Um, for me, it's it's never been a question for me. You know, I've I've grown up in a very um, progressive area. You know, my parents are very um, open and, you know, taught me that, you know, love is love and, you know, everybody should be celebrated for their differences, not um, persecuted for them. And so I've always, you know, I've always been on that side of things. I've, um, you know, I, I don't even really know exactly who, like my first, um, my first um, experience, um, you know, j- just like what the, like an LGBTQ issue was, but I, I know that you know, since I was young, I've always wanted to uh, fight for people that maybe don't have the voices to fight for themselves. And I think that, you know, that's that's not really the case with the um, I mean, it, it definitely can be actually um, with the LGBTQ um, population. Uh, they you know, you guys or the the community overall, you know, I think you have some very outspoken and very valuable voices. And I think that that's really um, important. I actually, you know, I kind of just went off. No, I feel like you're nailing it. I want to just, I want to help you with this because I feel like you're nailing it. And I want to ask you a follow-up, which is no, which is like, I think everything you said is right on. And, and um, I also am aware of your age and the fact that you said you grew up in Massachusetts. And like, I, I went to a school in Boston um, and I graduated the same year that marriage equality happened. So I happen to know this 2004. And so are you 21 or 22? I'm 23, actually. So 23. So um, uh, 2004 was, um, oh, my God, was 14 years ago. So you were a child. Yeah, you were a child. And I and I and Massachusetts, the first state to legalize same sex marriage. So like for anybody that's listening, that's trying to understand a little bit of the context that you just gave. I actually feel like I have a little bit of the context because like I lived in Massachusetts and I and you're a child and you're having all that happen like that's huge you know just to see um a civil rights fight um unfold around you uh at that age and to also see it go go positively you know because I feel like so many times um on civil rights issues like and it not not like it was like overnight and and it didn't take forever it did and of course nobody not everybody was was covered or protected it didn't solve everything but it did feel in massachusetts just like boom you know like it was such a big win and i could imagine as a child growing up around that 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 would be that would have a a monumental effect like just huge yeah yeah absolutely and and then i i also think um i mean i i i'm interested in what you're saying about um you know speaking on behalf of or with marginalized voices I think you said it like speak, speaking for those or with those who, you know, don't have a chance to have a voice themselves. And in some ways, like you said, in some ways for the queer community, that's true. We have like more visible people than we've ever had in the past. We have our own voices, I guess. You know, we have like um, really famous people that are out and we know their, you know, we know their, their sexual orientation or we know their gender identity or we know stuff about them. But um, stuff about us. But the other thing that's true is that, like, when you're not in the majority, um, 
it kind of doesn't matter how famous any 12 individuals become from a community when you're still 10% of the population or for trans people less than that. And I think I think it's like 1%. But by the way, 1% of the population is still a huge number of people. It's like it's like millions and millions of people. But um but we do need to step in and like have an opinion on this because otherwise even if you have like, you know, whatever it is like you can't like not like Laverne Cox can't win this by herself. <laughs> like other people have to care. Exactly. Because yeah, I'm really I'm really happy that you are part of working on this. I'm really happy to have you like working because essentially I mean the other thing that's true about you know restricting um who gets to go in what bathroom that I think we don't talk enough about is like using just that as an example and obviously when we talk about trans rights that's like an issue that gets a ton of uh attention but it's like that's not the only issue like we also need to talk about medical care you know it's literally like probably the smallest issue but smallest the issue other side has capitalized on yes yes um but that being said like people do need to pee yeah exactly yeah and that's what a bathroom is for and that's all that it's for so it's all that it's for and um you've definitely already peed next to a trans person is what else i would say when people are freaking out what if this started to happen i go well shit i guess you have to get in a time machine and go back to your own birth because this has already happened to you you know and um, you don't know because <laughs> you didn't know because you weren't like sliding under the bathroom stall checking everybody's genitals because you're not because you're not um gonna be arrested like that person would be arrested <laughs> this this genital checker um <laughs> but <laughs> but i think uh well it's it's also important to think about like there are other ways this affects the trans community, and I definitely want to ask you more about that in a minute. But I also think about somebody deciding what bathroom you get to go into based on like your genitals. To me, is you know really scary because then, um, or or your birth certificate because then, um, you know, I wear I wear menswear a lot of my life, and so I think sometimes it's important to remember that there are issues like. I know my place on this issue. I know that I'm a cis person. I have a lot of privilege. But I also know that, like, this is something that could affect me in a heartbeat. I have short hair. I have. I wear pants. What now? Like, you know, I mean, I am possibly affected by this um, as I walk into bathrooms, too. Like, I always wonder if someone's going to yell at me or, you know, stop me. So I just think it's, it's like, it's an issue that is my issue. And it's not my issue. It's good to know both of those things are true. Um, so can you tell me besides this over-publicized bathroom, what else is on the line here? Like what else do we need to worry about protecting folks? So basically what we say on the campaign is that, you know, schools are protected and homes are protected and work is protected. So for, it's basically everything, you know, depending on your in school or if you're in the workforce, it's pretty much everything between work and school and home. So, you know, in Massachusetts, that means anything from going to Dunkin' Donuts, which, you know, as somebody that went to school in Boston, you know how important that is to people in Massachusetts. <laughs> I know how important Dunkin' Donuts is. Yeah. You know, going to Dunkin' Donuts, um, going to the post office, uh, going to the doctor's office, 
you know, doing things that are, are you need to do, um, you know, using public transit, anything between the door to your school or work and the door to your house that is public accommodations. So it's pretty much everything's on the line uh, for trans people in this regard um, to be protected. You know, um, it just makes it so having these protections makes it so trans people can go about their business, do whatever they want to do, you know, just whether it be, you know, going, you know, if you're having like a day, you know, you go to, you wake up for work, you go to Dunkin', you get your coffee, you go to work and then you go to, I don't know, Panera Bread or something to get your lunch. You know, that's a public accommodation. You stop by the post office on your way home to send a letter, anything like that you know that you are protected from discrimination. And that's what this bill is all about. And so are, are you and are you saying that um, so housing or, or you're saying school and the workplace are also included in this or those are not? Those are not. included. Um, Got it. Special provision. Or there are there's a separate law um, that was passed in 2011, I believe, that um, covers. Well, that covers the housing. I, I don't know exactly what the school and the workplace, but I know that those are Got it. separate. So those are separately protected. But I mean, I can imagine other things that would be um, the gym. I mean, I'm just thinking about a lot of places where, um, gym. Uh, you know, the gym or um, I think, I mean, the doctor's a huge one or a hospital, a hospital or, yeah. you know, an ER. Um, yeah, it literally or, is life and death some, for right. some of these things. I think sometimes when you when you say, well, like, well, but not work or not, um, I just think, like, it's very easy to forget, you know, how much uh, privilege you walk through the world with yeah. if you are not stopped constantly. You know, so I think it's important to just, like, call out what all, what some of those small things can be because it's... Um, yeah, it's small, but it's also big because, you know, it can be as right. small as a coffee shop, but it can be as big as an emergency room. Yeah, and that's and that is uh, life or death on the line. And the things that are being prevented with this law are um, a person being turned away. Is that is that part yep. of it? So turned away for potentially for medical care, or um, turned away for medical care, or turned away for goods and services. And you know, when when you that is also something that I think in when we talk about like queer folks. Um, I have seen it like boiled down to this thing that sometimes like feels so um, dismissive. Like for instance, like if it's a, a like a this these bakers won't bake a cake for um, like this queer couple for their wedding, and I see people sometimes be flippant about that with like, oh well, why wouldn't you just go to a different baker? And then I think, I mean, okay, sure, but I think you're um, neglecting the you know the feeling of what it's like to walk to not be served in your own community um and to to yeah it's discrimination <laughs> that's what that's the word for it it's discrimin- discriminated against no matter what you're doing it doesn't matter what you're doing you're still being discriminated against and it's an awful feeling especially in your own home in your own home yes. yeah yeah especially so in a place like massachusetts yes so what 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 are some things that folks for ES on three are 
doing right now to work um, to educate folks? Like, what does a campaign look like? Is it is it phone calls? Is it like uh, phone banking? Is it like knocking on doors? Can you tell me a little bit about that? All of the above. Um, you know, so my job is mostly, you know, I work with press. I work with um, uh, getting um, op-eds and things like that out. I work on getting spokespeople to the right events, that kind of thing. But we have a massive field team. And so what they do is they phone bank, they organize rallies, they organize volunteers, they will go canvassing, they'll go knock on doors. We have people all over the state, you know, Massachusetts, it's a small state, but it's pretty vast. You know, there are lots of different um, areas and, you know, we're not just focused on Boston and its surrounding areas. We're focused on Worcester. We're focused on the Western part of the state. We're focused on the South shore, on the Cape, all of it. Um, so yeah, so it's a lot of work. We have a lot of really dedicated people. I've met some of the most hardworking people that I've ever met on this campaign. They, we are all, um, we're all so passionate about this and we know the implications of what would happen if it's repealed and we are just tireless, tirelessly working so that that doesn't happen. Yes. I remember also what the folks were saying, um, that I had, um, on my show in Boston, they were also talking about this sort of as being a precedent for, for, um, you know, for the nation, like, no, when folks are given the opportunity to vote, they will protect trans people. And I and that does feel very true, you know, that that you want to prove that, um, that that's a, an important that even just that, which doesn't have any which doesn't have like a tangible effect, but is just like a, a felt um, that, that even that has a huge impact on how people can feel safe. Um, and then also nationwide, whether or not folks should band together with one percent of the population and sign a petition to get something on the ballot for no reason that you know like if that is defeated then that's important or if the bill stays law that's important uh, for that reason too so your staff which means you're paid yes um can you tell me a little bit like uh, is this a big staff is this a small staff how many people you work with um i believe we have about 75 people on staff um, you know, so that's all over the state. So a lot of us are based in the Boston and, you know, Boston and its suburbs, but a lot of us are also based in Worcester and based in uh, Amherst and Northampton and on the Western part of the state. And volunteer wise, do you have any idea size, like the number of people that are phone making and knocking for you? You know, I would imagine a lot. I know that there's a yeah. lot. I, I don't. And those are volunteers who are not paid. Uh, yes. Yes. Many volunteers are not paid. Who are not paid. Yeah. Um, I think it's just like interesting to have these conversations. I didn't have a chance to talk to anybody who worked on like Prop 8 or anything. So it's these are the questions I have. Um, well, I'm about to wrap up with you in a minute and ask you about a queero. But is there anything else that you think um, that you'd love for our listeners to know about you or about Yes on 3 or, you know, anything in that area? Honestly, I think just that um, to know that this is a possibility even in Massachusetts. You know, I think a lot of people around the country think of Massachusetts as, you know, the super progressive liberal hub, which it is. But at the same time, you know, there are people that don't understand, um, you know, the trans experience and a lot of under, uh, a lot of 
fear comes from lack of understanding. So, um, you know, I think that showing when this passes in less than two weeks now, um, when this passes, this will, um, this will show the rest of the country that, uh, you know, Massachusetts is still a leader in, uh, on the progressive front, a leader in uh, civil and human rights. And you now we're going to, and just to know that all of the people that are working on this campaign have been working tirelessly and have been putting everything that they have into making sure that these protections um, are, are, uh, are maintained. And, and actually here, I do have one more question. Um, just in terms of voting, um, is Massachusetts, do you know the deadline for registering in Massachusetts? The, de- uh, the deadline already passed, unfortunately. It was actually on our birthday, the 17th. <laughs> so yeah, so that has already passed, but, um, early voting is, uh, has begun and, and, you know, election day is November 6th, the Tuesday. And really important to actually get out yes. and vote November 6th. For integral. A, a bunch of reasons, but this is one of them. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. If, so, if this so, is the only reason, then I mean, not the only reason I, I want to vote, but if this is the reason that gets you to the polls, then that's, you know, that's all that we can hope for. Yes, absolutely. Ariel, it was so nice to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time today. And I just want to ask before um, I send you back into your day, if you want to shout out a queero, which is just somebody in the LGBT family who makes you feel like you can be the person you want to be. Yeah, so um, I'm going to, it's kind of actually a a bit of a community rather than a person. Um, I want to shout out my my summer camp, Windsor Mountain uh, International Summer Camp, where I went for most of my childhood. Um, and that's probably where I met, um, probably my first experience with, um, the LGBT community. A lot of my fellow campers and my counselors were, um, were LGBTQ. And I think that I learned a lot about acceptance and a lot about, um, you know, just celebrating each other for our differences rather than, um, than, yeah, celebrating each other for our differences. And I think that that's probably been, you know, that community has been a big part of why I have wanted to do this kind of work. And yeah, so I want to shout all, shout all of them out. Um, that's awesome. I wish I went to a summer camp where everybody, where a lot of my peers were LGBT. That would have been amazing. I'm it's s- like the cutest, like liberal <laughs> um like loving haven it's it's a it's a fantastic place what's up windsor mountain we see you thank you very much ariel i hope you have a great rest of your day thank you so much for the work that you're doing for my family for your family appreciate you yeah thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it yeah yeah you bet bye this episode of query is sponsored by kapari friends You know that I only wear natural deodorant. It's true. I like aluminum-free deodorant for my bod. And here's a great option for aluminum-free deodorant, Kapari. Kapari's coconut deodorant is aluminum-free deodorant that doesn't suck. Instead of plugging up your sweat glands, it takes care of the smell without messing up your body's natural patterns. It's got plant-based actives such as sage oil and coconut oil. Leaves you smelling like a little bowl of coconut milk. 
Do you drink it by the bowl? I do. Reordering is easy with a deodorant subscription. Just choose how often you want to receive it, and they ship it to you automatically for free, so you never run out of deodorant again. So be sure to check out Kapari's new campaign, The Truth Stinks About Aluminum and All the Reasons You Don't Want It in Your Deodorant. I really like the way this smells. Go to kaparibeauty.com slash query to make the safe switch today. Save $5 off your first order when you subscribe. That's K-O-P-A-R-I beauty.com slash query. Today's episode of Query is sponsored by Poshmark. Instead of buying new things, head to Poshmark to shop from millions of closets across America. Poshmark is the easiest way to buy and sell fashion items. Download the free Poshmark app to shop from tons of brands across women's, kids, men's, and all humans. You won't believe the deals you'll find, like Louis Vuitton bags for $300, which I think is like less than they usually are. <laughs> Shipping is super fast and easy for both the seller and the buyer, and it's handled all through the Poshmark app. If you see something you want, simply make the seller an offer so you can get items at the price that works for you. Need to clean out your closet? Listing on Poshmark is easy. Upload photos of your stuff to the app, set a price, and ship to the lucky buyer. No more waiting in line at a thrift store or throwing, this is an important point added just by Cami Esposito, throwing old or old to you items in the trash. This is a great way of reducing waste and helping the earth. What? Yes. It is. Today, you can get $5 off your first purchase when you enter the invite code QUERY5 when you sign up. Just download the Poshmark app, sign up, and enter the code QUERY5 for 5 bucks off your first purchase. All right. Well, I always have folks introduce themselves. We heard a little bit from Ariel, the communication specialist at Yes on 3, but will you introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Casey Suffordini, and I am the co-chair of the Yes on 3 campaign in Massachusetts. Casey, thank you so much for your time today. I'm Truly. delighted to be here. Yeah, it means a lot to me that um, you're taking time, and I'm so grateful that for the work that you're doing uh, for our family in Massachusetts. Thank you so much. And um, I bet you're very busy right now. <laughs> Two weeks away. Things are ramping up, but busy is good at this stage of the game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So can you tell me um, maybe a little bit more about yourself, how you got involved with Yes on 3? Yeah. So um, I'm actually a transgender man myself, and I actually got involved in doing work on LGBT advocacy work almost 20 years ago now, despite my boyish good looks. Um, yes. Which listeners may not be able to appreciate, but I, I assure you I have boyish good looks. Um, you do. I'll and, affirm it. Uh, I'm part of a, a national organization called Freedom for All Americans, which is working to advance LGBT non-discrimination protections across the country for every American. There are still over 30 states where LGBT people don't have these protections. And the Yes on 3 campaign actually came out of that work. So we succeeded with uh, a partnership with a lot of the local organizations in Massachusetts in passing public accommodations protections for transgender people in 2016. These were the last protections that we needed to pass in Massachusetts. Massachusetts had already passed protections for LGBT people in the workplace, in schools, um, and in housing, but we had to come back for these protections in public places. These are protections from discrimination in restaurants, retail shops, hospitals, basically everywhere we go every day when we're not at home or work. 
and um, our opposition was successful in, in putting these protections on the ballot in 2016 for a vote now in 2018. And it'll actually be the country's first vote on, on uh, transgender rights statewide anywhere in the country. And it's really personal for me because I really got into this work because, you know, I didn't know any transgender people when I was growing up. Um, all the messages that I received were very negative. And I want to make sure that these kids in Massachusetts and across the country hear a resounding yes vote and a, and a resounding positive message that they can live the lives that they were born to lead and they can succeed. Oh, man, Casey, first of all, thank you so much for telling me all that. And we heard a little bit about that from Ariel, but I think, well, you know, one thing I don't think I brought up there that is particularly relevant in this case and feels important to talk about is, you know, sometimes for trans folks specifically, um, just presenting in a way that is slightly outside of normative presentation um, can be a life or death issue. Um, But and like that's the most extreme, you know, example. But then we're also talking about when you're talking about a hospital, you know, just having especially if somebody is pre-transition, doesn't plan on having any sort of medical transition. You know, that's another person that would be particularly vulnerable walking through the world and and like doesn't have to be because it actually doesn't matter uh, if you're selling somebody a sandwich, whether or not you understand what they're doing with their facial hair or, you know, their outfits actually doesn't matter. But just because it doesn't matter doesn't mean that people don't um, take it in their into their own hands. So I think that's important to talk about, like, why specifically trans people, you know, like there are. And so do you do you have anything to add about why specifically trans people need protections? I know that trans people are the most vulnerable members of our community. Can you talk a little bit about why that's true or or why this needs to be passed? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, you know, there's a lot of evidence out there. You're talking about it yourself, about the discrimination and violence that transgender people face, that we face, frankly, just because we're different and because a lot of people don't know who we are yet. You know, there's a lot of studies out that show that I think it's nine in 10 Americans now know a gay or lesbian person, um, in large part because of all the work that was done on marriage equality. That certainly wasn't true at the beginning of all the marriage equality work, but only about three in 10 know a transgender person. And it is you know, perfectly normal and human if you have never met a transgender person to have a lot of questions about what it means to be transgender, to not really understand that. You know, My family is super supportive, but when I first came out to them, they had a lot of questions. I think a lot of people have a lot of questions and that leads some people um, to really mistreat us. And that's why a lot of this work is important. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, what, what Yes on Three is really about is sending a message that like, look, we're all different, transgender or not. There's a lot of things about each other we may not understand, but we don't have to understand everything to treat each other with just basic decency and respect. Oh, that's, yep. <laughs> Yes, correct. Um, agreed. I also have seen some of these. I mean, I don't have to tell you the narrative that exists on um, this like fear narrative that that is cooked up around trans folks, which involves this like uh, safety in a bathroom, uh, protection of children. Um, how do I know that everyone all around me won't de- declare that they're trans? And and those are, it turns out, 
the exact same arguments that were used uh, prior to marriage equality. Like there, there aren't real rational arguments to be made. So the arguments that are trotted out are the same silly arguments again and again, because if we really look at who's at risk, it's not children that need protection from member from the LGBT community, but it's people kids that are LGBT um, that need, you know, answers, um, like you're saying, that that need options, that need to know that they can have a positive future, which is something I also didn't know. You know, like as a queer person growing up, I had no examples for positivity. Um, and even just, well, you going out and do you have a chance to speak on behalf of Yes on speak 3 publicly? publicly? All the time. I think it would have mattered to me so much just to see your face. Yeah. You know, I think that really would have mattered to me just to see your face, see you in front of me, um, uh, you know, or 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 hear your voice or read you or however people are encountering you, um, you the person that you are specifically like that would have mattered to me so much. Even, you know, as a cis person, that's true. hundred. That's true. hundred percent, because it would have meant that um, I was OK, you know, to have there were some options for me. So it's not just um young trans kids, although probably that's who it affects the most, but like any member of the LGBT family that's having a chance to see you, see that you're composed and and have a job and have a mission and career and, and um, feel good about yourself. It's huge. Yeah. You know, I think about that every time I, I get out there and speak, I think of little Casey, young Casey, who who really needed that and, you know, really needed to know that there were people out there who were going to fight for me and make sure that I was going to be able to live the life I was born to lead. Um, you know, I didn't know anything about transgender people when I was growing up, but I was really obsessed with Jody with Jodie Foster and Silence of the Lambs. And in <laughs> hindsight, oh. that was my first real exposure to, I guess that was a transgender person, right? The killer in that movie. And the reason I bring that up is because, you know, it's 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 relatively uh, inexpensive and easy to exploit existing myths and stereotypes. And so our opposition can run these campaigns on relatively very little money, but it's very expensive to uh, overcome stereotypes. And, you know, stereotypes about who transgender people are, are everywhere. And we've all grown up with them and, and we don't necessarily know how much we've really taken that in and absorbed that. But when you couple that with so few people actually knowing a real live breathing transgender person, it creates a little bit of a toxic brew that makes the average kind, fair leaning person pretty vulnerable to these opposition arguments that you mentioned. Of course, they don't make sense. Of course, there's no evidence that there's you know increased instances of people pretending to be transgender to hurt other people. People don't do that. Nobody pretends to be transgender. Um, you know, there's, there's no evidence that um, having these protections in place when somebody does go into a facility and hurt somebody that they actually use these laws for uh, their defense. It just doesn't happen. It's not, it's not a real thing. But I think people, it's, it's easy to confuse people about whether or not that's true. And it's easy to scare people because they don't know real transgender people. And the things that they have seen are really not favorable and really don't explain who we are in any real or authentic way. So unfortunately, it is, I guess, the burden of the oppressed that we have to get out there and expose ourselves, many of us, to um, even potential harm ourselves because we're so public, because the work is just that important. And it's that important that people actually get to know us. And in the process of doing it, we send a message to young people all over the country that they're going to be fine, just like we are, and that they're worth fighting for. 
Casey, what are you doing to take care of yourself right now during this? You know, Mentally, I emotionally. run. Um, I have a puppy that I spend a lot of time with that reminds me the world is a big, uh, rich place that, that is much bigger than the, the political climate writ, writ large that we're all dealing with right now. And I'm really lucky to have a wonderful family and a wonderful partner. My, my future wife were engaged actually recently. Um, Congratulations. Also, thank you. Also works on political campaigns, um, also gives a lot of herself to the world to sort of advance justice. And it's, you know, I, I constantly tell myself when I get tired, um, you know, if not me, who? Right. I was taught growing up that uh, I hear that. If you see a problem that needs solving. You got to jump in and try to fix it. So I am one of the lucky few that gets energy from actually doing the work because I know I'm I know I'm helping and not contributing to the problem. Yeah. Okay. That's rad. I like everything you just said. <laughs> and, I, and I'm so glad that you have some systems in place. I think it's really important to ask those questions because of exactly what you're talking about. You know, if we if we do position ourselves um, to do that much emotional labor on behalf of our community, which, by the way, yes, I, I openly sign up for also, uh, we have to make sure to take care of ourselves. It's really important to to affirm that for each other. So yes, good. Play with your puppy. I'm with you playing with your puppy. Uh, that sounds very good. And you said you've been working in this area for like for 20 years. How did you first get into it? You know, I, I, um, I came out in college, uh, almost right after I went to college, I was very lucky. I went to UC Berkeley and I met a lot of people that I never had the opportunity to meet in my relatively small conservative town in Southern California. And it really just opened my mind to the world. Um, and in the process of coming out, I, I sort of realized it's kind of random that I had all these rights yesterday and I don't have them today. And it kind of makes no sense. And you know what, that's true of a lot of communities. It's not just true of the LGBT community. And so, you know, I, I was studying business administration. I was going to run hotels or something. And I decided to switch tracks and I enrolled in what at that time was a new thing that colleges were offering, which was a minor in LGBT studies. And I decided to learn about my community because you don't grow up learning anything about LGBT people. I wanted to know where we come from and what our history is. And in the process of taking some of those classes, I realized, you know, I want to be a lawyer and um, I want to get involved in trying to fix this. And there's a lot of social justice issues I care about that I want to work on. But this is my lens because this is the issue that's most personal to me. And that's really how I got involved. And, and literally, I got an internship at the National Center for Lesbian Rights in the in the six months I had between college and law school. And I sat Kate Kendall down, the outgoing executive director now, and said to her, how do I be you? How do I do this work for the long term? And she just gave me some tips and I followed them ever since. And I've been in the movement the entire time uh, in different organizations. And um, almost always the consistent through line though has been working on non-discrimination protections because I think they are the baseline protections that we need for our community. Well, I'm very grateful for all the work that you've been doing. I hope you hear that. I'm sure you do. But can I just be another person if you do hear it? Do you hear that? Do people thank you? They do. Yeah, they do. Maybe, right. maybe they could a little more. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's not that. It's um, I don't feel I just don't feel like I need to be thanked. It's an honor, actually, to have the opportunity to be able to do this work. And, um, you know, when I speak, I speak for so many people who do not have the privilege I have to live the kind of life I lead where I can be as public as I am, go to law school, be a lawyer, advocate on behalf of campaigns. You know, there are a lot of people out there who are really just struggling to get by every day. And that is what the work is about. And I think those are the folks 
we need to be thanking the ones who are who are really getting by, doing what they need to do, um, you know, and making sure that they're successful in their lives. Because those are the folks that are actually going to change people's minds about this issue. People's neighbors, yes. their family members, their friends. That's what that's, changes that's right. people's minds. So what has what has it been like so far working on this particular campaign? Yes on three. What has that felt like for you? Or is there anything specific about this that you've noticed? Yeah, well, for me, is it the most personal? Is it the most personal for you? I'm just wondering, you know, um, I, I was gonna say for, you know, for me personally, this campaign has touched me in a way that nothing else I've worked on for the last 20 years has. Part of that is that you know, I have I have a deep history in Massachusetts. My entire family is from there. Despite the fact that I grew up in Southern California, Massachusetts is my home and it always will be. My parents are both gone. They're both laid to rest there. Like this is the homeland and we are really fighting um, on the home front. But I think the other piece that's been really personal too is seeing uh, just the groundswell of support. We have over 1,500 endorsements from every social, civic, and cultural sector that you can find the parents that are coming out and fighting for their kids. I mean, this is the future we want to see, right? Families fighting for their kids. When I was first coming out, all of the articles and and analysis was about how hard it was. And it is still true for many families, but how hard it is for LGBT kids growing up in families that don't reflect them and often reject them. But that is changing. That is really starting to change. And I have seen that on this campaign and it makes me, I'm usually not the emotional person. I'm the person that is, you know, brass tacks, let's get this done. This is what we need to do to win. But there have been so many moments on this campaign that have really made me so emotional because I've just really felt that love and that support that's out there. And even the, the horrible news that we got over the weekend from the Trump administration, I mean, I just think they're waking a sleeping giant. There is a sleeping giant of people out there who love us. There are parents and our friends and our siblings. There are fellow worshipers, our fellow coworkers. And they are ready to fight for us. They love us and they are ready to fight for us. And that has been um, a very emotional realization while working on this campaign. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I am with you. I am with you fully. You have my sword and my shield. Thank you. And uh, oh, yes. I also, oh, boy. I mean, there's so much to really. I'm curious about like who I, I, the parents specifically are something that I, I have been thinking about too. I, I can't even remember where I was. Oh, Seattle, I think. I've, on this past tour, um, doing stand up, I've invited folks on stage and I had Yes on Three there at the Wilbur. Um, but I in, in Seattle, I had an organization that was run by parents for parents of trans kids. These are allied parents. And it really meant a lot to me to invite those folks up because it's, you know, that supporting those parents means a lot. That means it's literally a means for violence of violence reduction and a great way of preventing homelessness within our community is to reach out and create bonds with the parents of trans kids, queer kids. And I feel like we're so close. We're like, we're right there. You know, we can do that for the first time. And those are our kids to take care of and protect. And it means a lot to me that there would be um, some conversation there where in the past it was very, you know, like we're supposed to be at a distance. We're not supposed to, um, reach out or care about kids. There was like that that need to really stay away from kids to make sure that we weren't uh, considered like pedophiles. I mean, when that was the narrative. And so now that that has broken down a little bit and we can 
advocate for our own family, you know, in this new way. That means a lot to me. I'm sure it means a lot to you, like you just said. And what what do you see? So what are you going to be doing on November 6th? What will your day look like that day? I am going to be doing everything I can to get out every single last vote. I will do whatever the campaign needs. I will probably be door to door, literally yeah. offering people donuts and car rides to their polls. This is, this is at the end of the day, going to come out to who votes. We have strong support in Massachusetts. We know the support is there to win, but they've got to get out and vote. That's right. I mean, anybody can say anything, but if they... But if it's not recorded, it doesn't matter. So that's why I also wanted to make sure to have this timely episode because, you know, I just knew that this is a moment to do everything that each individual personally can. So I have this podcast and we'll, I'll do this moment. I don't live in Massachusetts, although I have lived there, um, but I can do this. This is what something I can't do if I can't vote in this election. And other people that are listening like that live in Massachusetts, like what you can do is individually go to the polls or, you know, gather up a group of your friends drive that team to the polls together. That's right. Um, Safety in numbers. It is more fun with a group of people. Yeah, absolutely. And what does your next two weeks look like? I'm just curious, I guess, in what the last two weeks of a campaign like this involves, like for you personally. Yeah, is there's it public appearances. Is it phone calls? What is it? It's it's all of those things. Um, you know, we're still fundraising. We still have about $500,000 left that we need to raise to fully fund the next 14 days that we need to fund. So can you tell me real quick the place to donate? Uh, FreedomMassachusetts.org. People can donate. Great. Perfect. Baked in. FreedomMassachusetts.org. We are so close. This is a multi-million dollar campaign. We have only only half a million dollars left to raise. I know we'll get there. Um, But I'm on the phones bringing in those those final dollars because obviously we need them in time to spend them. We don't need them by November 6th. We need them by yesterday. (laughs) All right. So we're (laughs) sure we can to get those dollars in. Um, I will be on the phones myself personally calling people uh, that we know are with us and really encouraging them to either mail in their ballots because Massachusetts is now an early voting state or actually get out there and vote on election day, whichever whichever is their plan, but in ensuring that they have a plan and that they'll get there. Um, continue to, fo- to talk to find folks like you who are willing to help us raise the vil- visibility of this. You know, this qualified for the ballot in October of 2016. And we have been a live functioning campaign working to protect these rights since January of 2017. And so many people in Massachusetts and around the country still don't even know this is on the ballot. They don't even know that they're going to see this. So really working with folks like you to help get the word out, to make sure that people know to vote. And most importantly, making sure that people know it is a yes vote. It is counterintuitive, but we are the yes vote to uphold the protections. And perhaps even more importantly, we are on the backside of the ballot. We are the third question and questions two and three are on the backside of the ballot. So turn those ballots over and cast your yes vote. Hey, that's really important. I'm so glad that you said that backside of the ballot. I was talking about that um, with Ariel a moment ago that that it is whenever there's a question like this, it's you have to figure out there's the figuring out what the yes and no mean because there's the there's not a clarity around which thing is affirmative. Um, So that's very helpful. And I will say, I mean, look, I know you know how effective you already are, but to your point about people not knowing about you and of course, continuing folks, folks that listen to this, you know, diving in and, and donating money or talking about it on social media matters. But the reason that I know about you um, is because I crowdsourced through Twitter and Instagram. Um, I, I asked my audience, like, if you're going to come see me, what are some organizations that work locally to do really good things? Because I find that this is 
true across the board is that we don't always know for LGBT folks, we don't always know the services that are available in our own communities. Um, and, and especially like, I mean, I guess you can Google, but like that's not um, it's not always an indication that that's the best place for the services that you need. Um, or sometimes, you know, it's just important to have the person show up and to put the face to, you know, who you're going to go see when you go to that organization. But um, it was Massachusetts itself. You know, it was people in Boston and people in Massachusetts that told me that this was the organization that I needed to pay attention to. So you should know that. And also when I introduced um, the volunteers at the Wilbur, there was a huge response. Of course, there's a lot of queer people in my audience, but there's a lot of allies in my audience, too. And, um, you know, the response was overwhelming. So, yes, keep doing the work that you're doing. But you got to me. So that's you're you're are you doing something right you know well that's the um, love i was talking about earlier right the people yes. who are really out there spreading the message making sure people know yes. there's a lot of love out there yeah. I think yes that's very out. important yes what's next for you personally and it, and i understand maybe it's like you're just like i'm gonna take a vacation after november 6th but do you have anything that you're thinking about after this yeah well i'm getting married um, in, yep, in yep. September of next year. So I got to, you know, so on the personal side, I guess I got to get going. I'm planning that. So I'll probably take a little bit of time off in December and try to get, you know, the personal life back on track with all that. And my fiance will be doing the same because she'll be coming off her campaign too. Um, and then professionally, you know, we've got a whole bunch of other states we got to win, right? We need these protections nationwide. We don't want to protect young people in Massachusetts only to have them get into college in Arizona and have no protections when they get there, Right. So we've got about 30 other states where we got to win protections. We'll be working hard over the next couple of years to uh, win LGBT protections in those states and ultimately making the case for, for Congress to step in and finally create sort of a uniform, consistent um, baseline of federal protections for, for every LGBT American, no matter what zip code they live in. What do you find just nationwide and especially looking at those 30 states that you're talking about? Um, you know, because I travel so much for work, but I get a I get an unusual view, I think, of each state that I'm in. The people that come to see me everywhere that I go are, you know, people that I have a lot in common with. Um, like and it and you know, so I I think sometimes when we hear stories about like, you know, states in the Midwest or the South or whatever, like when I go to those places, I actually find you know, incredible people that I have a lot of the same views as um, because they're self-selecting in being the people that come to my shows or, you know, the people that might go to like the gay bar that I go to afterwards or whatever. Um, but what do you find is your experience nationwide right now? Like how close are we in those 30 states? Are you? Well, they, I, don't, yeah, I don't know how easy that, is, that answer They're is. primarily um, red states, at least right now. Um, many of them are completely, you know, red control, whether, it, you know, it's governor, um, both chambers of the state legislature, most of the, most of the blue states have, have passed these protections in, you know, in some cases, many decades ago. Um, but I wouldn't discount, you know, look, that work is hard because those are, those are hard climates, um, politically speaking. And also because these are often states where for whatever reason, probably as a movement, we just haven't done as much public education as we need to. Um, and I, I don't think we give up on anybody. I don't think this is a red issue. I don't think this is a blue issue. I think this is a human issue. And we've seen that. We saw that in, in Massachusetts, where there's a Republican governor and the law was passed by a bipartisan supermajority. 
supported and signed by a Republican governor who only six years before had opposed it. Uh, New Hampshire earlier this year passed a law that is a Republican controlled state that passed a law uh, protecting transgender people and it was signed by a Republican governor. Um, there's a common thread through all these places and that's that, you know, we're all human beings and nobody, when they, when they meet with, um, you know, a lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender person, and here's their story. And here's the experience that they carry around every day of the, the discrimination that they've experienced, the fear of violence and harassment that we all carry with us. Nobody is untouched by that when they have that opportunity to hear those stories and actually get to know who we are. And, and once they do, sort of the things that our opposition says about the consequences of protecting us from discrimination, just giving us the same protections as everybody else, those kinds of things fall away and they can really separate the facts from the fiction. So that's what I'm going to be doing for however, you know, however many more yeah. years I need to do it is giving people <laughs> sure. the opportunity to meet us, um, learn why we need these protections and just put those basic protections in place. Our community deserves these protections. It's been decades and decades and decades that we've been fighting for them. I love what you said about um, our responsibility to get in there with education. And I, I think that that's absolutely right. And I also, um, you know, I never forget that there are queer people, trans people, everywhere and that you know if it's a, if it's a difficult climate for me um i get to leave um and there are a lot of people who either don't want to or or can't leave and you know this is the place that they love this is where everything that they love is um or you know there's a huge financial obstacle to moving or you know what if you can't get that job somewhere else we always act like it's i'm mean, not we always act but I, I hear this narrative sometimes like it would be so easy to go somewhere um where you would be more protected as an lgbt person and i just that's not, that's not true like you know we are from where we are from we are from everywhere and sometimes we don't want to leave and sometimes we can't and so um you know it's not just speaking to our opposition in those places it's speaking to our loved ones our family that lives there and letting them know that they're not left behind um yes that's right that's right that's right that's correct well Casey, it's just been it's been like such a pleasure speaking to you. Um, you're so passionate and and uh, and so well spoken. You have so much to say. It's like truly, you're the best. I would like to have dinner with you. Let's make that happen. I'll take um, it. Let's do it. Okay, okay, great. Before I send you back uh, into the very the fray of uh, the last two weeks of this campaign, could I ask you just to um, shout out a queero, which is somebody that made you feel like you could be the person that you are today? Does it have to be somebody who's actually queer? Um, I don't know that I've ever had that. No, I mean, no. Please tell me. Please tell me. I, 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 wanna, I will say probably. I want to no. give a shout out to There's my no limitation. who oh, I was yes. terrified, terrified to come out to. Worried that suddenly he wouldn't want me around his kids anymore. I mean, I didn't know. He, he never gave any signs this would be the case. But, you know, this is what we carry around. We worry, right? When you transition, you take the whole world with you. The whole world has to transition with you. And uh, when I told my brother, he, I sent him an email. I didn't have the courage to call him, even though I've been doing this for 20 years, right? And he, uh, he called me right away, put me on a family conference call. And he said, you know, Casey, we love you. We don't care what pronouns you use. We don't care what name you use. Uh, we just want you to, to live a good and happy life. And what I'm most concerned about is why you've been struggling with this for so long. And I'm just now hearing about it. I thought we were close. And my takeaway from that moment is not only that my brother is amazing, but that we can't give up on anybody. We have to give everybody a chance, 
right? We, we sometimes worry that people won't be there for us. We have to ask and give them a chance. And I think we will often be surprised that people, given a little bit of time, given some information, they will be there for us. So my shout out is to my brother. A perfect shout out. Shout out to your brother. That's beautiful. Casey, thank you so much. And yes, on three. It's on the back. Vote on November 6th. Um, Hey, truly, it was really nice to meet you. Um, where do you live? Do you live in Boston? Uh, I sort of split my time right now between Massachusetts and California and where I will land permanently. We will decide once this campaign is over. Yeah, I hear that. that when you're in California. Thing. Yeah, I hear you for sure. When you're in California, where do you where do you hang? Long Beach. Oh, well, I'm in I'm in L.A. I'm not too far away. Right. Um, I'm, I'm truly dinner. serious. I'd love to, I'd love to have dinner with you sometime and, and uh, hear more about the work that you do. Totally. But, but go get them. OK, awesome. Thank you. Appreciate right. you covering it. Today's episode is sponsored by Poshmark, the easiest way to buy and sell fashion items. Download the free Poshmark app to score amazing deals from tons of brands or list your own items and wait for the offers to roll in. Shipping is fast and easy and all is handled directly through the app. Today, you can get $5 off your first purchase when you enter the code QUERY5 when you sign up. Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season three has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, season three is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Eight nights. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, Yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. (laughs) Jesus. I mean, Jazos. (laughs) Ruler of the Eighth Circle. And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.